Hey everybody, thanks for stopping by. I'm your host, Michael Shahan, and the next episode of Shahanisms is about to begin. Hey everybody, thanks for stopping by to check out Shahanisms, episode 6. I was sitting here enjoying a cup of coffee, looking over my analytics this morning. When you do a podcast, you get tons of analytics. Most of it's mind-numbing, but it all has some kind of meaning. I'm interested in the number of downloads and subscribers. But I also look to see where listeners are from, like the country and the city where the episode was downloaded. I'm able to see that on the analytics. So my curiosity's peaked. What's going on in Helsinki? It's not the title to a spy novel. That's me after looking at the analytics. I've got eight subscribers in Helsinki, which is great. It's like a fan club, isn't it? How many people do you need to have a fan club? I don't know. Probably more than eight. But that's okay. I can spin the numbers any way I want, because it's my show. It's exciting, but it makes me curious at the same time. So a few episodes back, I think it was like the first or second episode, I noticed two subscribers from Helsinki. I made a joke about it. A couple of people were getting drunk. They clicked on the wrong podcast up there, and they listened to it. But now there's eight. So now I'm wondering, are these people all from one family? Is it a cul-de-sac of people? Maybe a group of people hanging out at a bar. I don't know. What is it? So maybe someone up there, one, one of you eight people, can go to my website, bloggingwithmike.com, and send me a note. Fill in the blanks for me. Give me the details. I'm curious. Somebody let me in on the deal in Helsinki. Whatever it is, I appreciate the following. Like I said, it, it's exciting for me. So maybe if you get 10,000 subscribers up there, I'll fly up, I'll rent a stadium, and we'll have a party. That's it. But not in the winter. Don't you have seasons like ours up there? I think they're on the same schedule as us. Like, it's fall, almost winter now. You're up above the 60th parallel, I think. I'm not real sure on my geography, but I think you're above the 60th parallel. It's cold up there. I think it gets down to zero in the winter. That's like, what's that in Celsius? Um, negative 20, negative 22, something like that in Celsius. Regardless, any number that involves temperature with the minus sign in front of it, that's a no-go for me. I was born and raised in the Midwest where winter can get brutal. There's a reason I don't live there anymore. From time to time, people ask me how I ended up in Arizona even, and I just smile and say, hey, you don't have to shovel sunshine. I dislike cold so much. I got a rule in my family. If you can see my breath, you will not see me. That's not a Shahanism. That's Shahan's law. If you see my picture on the website, I'm a big guy. I got a lot of skin to hydrate. Way too much work in cold weather. So, Helsinki, if you give me 10,000 subscribers, the party will have to wait till summer. Ain't gonna happen if we can see our breath up there. Love y'all, but not that much. I got a comment from Lanny P. Lanny writes that she really liked the last episode about accidents. She says your perspective is interesting. My perspective is interesting. I'm reading her comment. I've never looked at it that way, but you make perfect sense to me. I've got to write that down, too. That doesn't happen very often, either. 
I think someone put a bullet in the gun on purpose, if you ask me. I like your style. Loyal listener. Thanks, Lanny. I appreciate that. And actually, you're not alone thinking the live round of ammo was deliberately put in that gun. I've had a few other comments come in, and people are they're thinking the same thing. However, there's one, one comment that came in from Derek. Derek writes, Why don't you talk about the real elephant in the room? Call it what it is. Murder. Everybody says it was. That was his comment verbatim. So, whoa, Derek, pump those brakes. Thanks for writing, but murder by definition is a deliberate premeditated act. That is, I'm paraphrasing, but that's Webster's definition. The intent would be to take someone's life with premeditation. And by everyone, I'm assuming you meet everyone who has not been there to witness the incident firsthand, has no access to police reports or copies of depositions. I'm guessing that is your definition of everyone. I hate to burst your bubble, Derek, but reading editorial pieces from people who don't have all the information doesn't give anybody enough evidence to make that determination. Never. Sometimes there's a fine line between murder and manslaughter, and in this case, it might be either one of those. I don't know. It might be neither. We can't determine that from the cheap seats, and that's a problem. Stay out of the social media court of popular opinion because it's all just noise. People make judgments, and they make those judgments without all the information, and it's not a good thing. It's not helping us individually, and it's definitely not helping us as a society. So that is precisely why I didn't talk about the whodunit piece to this puzzle, because it would have been speculative and judgmental and, and on my part. And to do that, it, 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 seems, it seems like there's enough of that going around. I didn't want to go there, so that's why I didn't go into who I thought did it or if there was a crime that was committed. So you're not going to get me to weigh in on it, but I will weigh in on how he ended up with this ridiculous level of speculation on something we know absolutely nothing about. And the reason we're in this spot, it's because we are judgmental. It's in our DNA. We all are to a certain degree. You, me, everybody. And sometimes it gets us in trouble with our own emotional balance, and sometimes with others if we can't keep our mouth shut. Passing judgment is dangerous. may not be life-threatening dangerous, but it can be dangerous to our relationships, our social situations, and how others see us, how others judge us. And we all do it. And it happens so easily, so quickly, we don't even realize we're doing it sometimes. Thankfully, it doesn't always cause irreparable harm, but it can be embarrassing sometimes. And it's happened to me. Let me give you an example. I'll use myself so I'm not making fun of anybody else here, but I do want to show you how easily it is to pass judgment without having all the facts. And we do it to a certain extent every day of our lives. We can't help it as human beings. So back in the fall of 2019, I decided to go back to college at 62 years old. I wanted to take an American Sign Language class, and I wanted to learn how to sign conversationally. I had some concerns, like, How's a 60-year-old, 62-year-old bald guy 
How would I be viewed by students in their late teens and early 20s? Would I be accepted? How would I be treated? Now, deep down inside, there was a part of me that really didn't care because I was going to go and do it anyway. But I thought about it. I prejudged the early 20-something crowd as maybe not being accepting without even knowing them or experiencing any of it myself. That was judgmental. So when I went to the college to sign up for classes, I was the oldest dude in the building. Most of the students were in their early 20s, late teens, maybe some that were in their late 20s. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I was even older than some of the professors. And then I saw a janitor pushing a cart through the concourse. Oh, no. Everybody's going to think I'm a janitor and not a student. This is what's going through my head. So on the first night of class, when I walked into the building, I was waiting for someone to come up to me and tell me the toilet was plugged in the bathroom on the second floor. But nobody did. It was just my overactive, judgmental imagination working overtime. And then I walked into the classroom. Obviously, I was the oldest guy in the room, including a professor who was probably about 40 years old. So I quickly took a seat at one of the tables, and I wanted to do that before someone pointed to the trash can next to the desk up front. Like I said, I wasn't worried about it, but I did think about it. The professor was sitting at his desk looking at the computer screen. Never even looked up when I walked in, which I thought was kind of strange. But I figured he was getting ready for class. He was looking over some notes, whatever. He was engaged with his lecture. And I took a seat. Then when it was time for class to start, he stood up, he looked at his watch. He looked around the room without saying a word. And he waved to all of us like we were in a parade. And then he moved over to the whiteboard and he wrote his name. And underneath his name, he wrote... I am deaf. Holy crap. Did I just see that right? My instructor is deaf? Judgment swept over me like a raging river. How's he going to teach us introduction to sign language if he can't speak or hear? How will I learn a language I don't know from someone who can't talk or hear? How's this going to work? I don't see how it can. The judgmental side of me was going nuts. All of this, and I'd only been in the class for less than five minutes. Couldn't have even been five minutes. But I wasn't the only one, I'm sure. He had a smile on his face. He was experienced at teaching sign language. I'm sure he even maybe enjoyed it a little bit for a moment or two, watching people panic, watching the panic on their faces, wondering probably the same thing I was. He was probably used to it. American Sign Language is hard to learn. It's tough. It's the toughest class I've ever taken, including firefighting, learning to fly an airplane, and a host of other classes I've taken over the years. And what made things worse from the start was my rush to judgment because it caused me to stop any hope of learning dead in my tracks within the first minute of class. It was like somebody flipped a switch. You see, everybody has a story to tell, but we have to listen in order to take that story in. And when you make judgments without having all the facts, there's no possible way you can take that story in. You stop listening, you stop learning, and you stop being open to taking in information. It's a fact. We all have to deal with it from time to time. 
because it's hard to keep judgment out of our heads just because of how we are, who we are. We're all human. And sometimes just being human makes life harder and sometimes harder than it needs to be. Now, lucky for me, because of age and a little bit of wisdom, I've learned that I too make judgments, but I've also learned to put them aside and try to keep an open mind. But like I said, it's hard for all of us. So I don't want to go into all the details of class, but essentially, the professor was going to hand out papers with words, and he would demonstrate how to sign those words. And eventually, we would put those words into sentences and phrases. And I was able to reconcile all that in my mind, that it would work. And I was quickly open to learning again, and the first night of class went pretty well, considering. But by the time I got out to my car, I was feeling pretty good about class. Until I got in and sat down, and then it hit me. Jesus, my instructor's deaf. So I called my daughter on the way home from class. And when she asked how the first night of class went, I said, My professor is deaf. I don't know how this is going to work. I just blurted it out. Her response? Oh. Which did nothing more than validate that my judgment was correct. My wife did pretty much the same thing when I got home. I told her. She said pretty much the same thing, and that validated my judgments even more. My judgment was accurate based on providing information that was unsubstantiated because the only thing I knew at the time was my professor was deaf. I knew nothing about how the teaching part of the equation was going to go, but I made a judgment anyway. It was wrong. So on the first night of class, I noticed my professor was wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, football jersey. It was fall, it was during football season. I also noticed nobody in the class communicated with him before or after the class because obviously we couldn't. We were there to learn sign language. We didn't, we didn't know how to communicate with him at that point. So I decided before the next class, I was going to learn some football terms, some sign language football terms on my own, and at least do something more than just wave at him when I walked in the classroom. So I took it upon myself to do that. So the next class, when I walked in, I waved, and I signed to him, you like the Eagles. Now keep in mind, I thought I was brilliant. I had taken it upon myself to learn these extra signs so I could communicate with him. I felt like a genius at that moment. He got a big smile on his face, and he nodded his head, and he started signing to me. I had no idea what he was saying, but fortunately, I'd already learned to sign, I don't understand. I'm glad I learned that sign early on because I used it a lot in that class. So we went over to the whiteboard. He walked over, he wrote down some words, and then he showed me how to sign the words. He essentially showed me what he said to me that I didn't understand. Suddenly, because I'd put all my judgments aside, I was learning more in that class than what he was actually teaching us. It was above and beyond the curriculum. And it happened because I just took it upon myself to learn a little bit more to communicate with him. But like most situations where you are learning another language, we tend to learn only a few words. We use those few words, and suddenly the person that we're talking to, all of a sudden they think that we can speak the language, and you're over your head in the blink of an eye. We've all done it. You're going to another country on vacation, except for Canada. 
where all you have to do is say A at the end of a sentence and everybody still understands you. I'm talking like Germany, France, Mexico, places like that. We learn a few words prior to the vacation. We're so proud of our accomplishments, we can't wait to use them when we arrive in that country. It's like a drug. It happened to me in Mexico. We went there on vacation one year to a small town well off the beaten path. And honestly, I can't even remember the name of the town. That's how remote it was. We're staying with friends down there who had moved there, and everybody in town primarily spoke Spanish. And I decided to head into town by myself. And I did this one day. I was going to pick up some, I don't know, aspirin or Band-Aids. I can't remember exactly what it was I was looking for, but I wanted the drugstore. So I drove through town, and none of the stores had signage. They all looked the same, every one of them. So I spotted a police car parked along the street, and I decided I would walk over and ask him, where was the drugstore? So I walk up to him. I notice the driver. He was an older gentleman with a thick black handlebar mustache and leathery dark skin. And I made a judgment that I thought he probably couldn't speak English. He just, and I'm going to say it regrettably, but he just didn't look like he may have known English. I thought I'm going to lay some of my newly learned Spanish on him because I had learned three or four words before I went down there. Silly me. I know. Judgmental as hell again. So I stood there and I bent over at the waist in a manner I can only describe as a stance a middle linebacker would take. I put my hands out in front of me because we all know that when you speak a foreign language, it always works better if you use your hands. And I moved my hands back and forth and I said to him, Pharmacia. And then I waited for a response. He just looked at me. So I decided to try again using more hand action and enunciate a little bit more because we all know that'll help. So I did it again. Pharmacia, I said. He looked at me and smiled. And in perfect English, he pointed and said, it's that store around the corner, the one with the green awning. Yep, I felt like an idiot because I was at that moment. So not only did I look like an idiot, I didn't even pronounce the word correctly to begin with. So both the police officers were smiling. I'm sure it was the topic of the day, probably the topic of the month. They're probably still talking about it. I don't know. Probably telling their grandkids about it. It was pretty ridiculous. So I'm sure for them it was a pretty good story. I could have avoided all that if I had just asked if they spoke English and not rushed to judgment right out of the gate. All right, so back to college. So the professor enjoyed the conversations we had before class. And and I did too. It was it was fun. It was engaging. But nobody else in the class ever did that. And I wonder if it was because they all hung on to the same judgments that I had at the beginning. How tough it was going to be to communicate in there and what the learning curve was going to be like. Now I will tell you it was the quietest class I've ever sat through. Nobody talked. Nobody said anything because he couldn't hear us anyway. And except for one student who would raise her hand and ask him questions verbally. He was very patient with her. I nicknamed her Baby Smurf. Not because of how she looked or anything, but she had a voice. She sounded to me like a Smurf from the movie. I know. Judgmental as hell. I couldn't help myself. Obviously, I kept it to myself, though. 
But the entertainment value of her talking to someone who couldn't hear was epic. So the second night of class, we had learned some colors. The professor would point to a random student and ask, in sign language, what your favorite color was. All we had to do was sign the color. That's it. So he was going around the classroom, and he got to me, and I signed that my favorite color was blue. I gave him the sign for blue. And then he pointed at Baby Smurf, and she proceeded to explain to him how she had liked the color orange since she was a small child and that everything in her room was orange, her comforter was orange. And she went on and on about her favorite color, orange, like for a couple minutes. Now, he didn't understand a word she said. He's standing there staring at her. And she was when she was done with her little thing, he, they kind of looked at each other for a couple minutes. And then he looked around the room and, and he made eye contact with me. And, and that's the one thing about sign language class. If you don't want to talk to the professor, you don't make eye contact with them because if you can't see them, they, there's no communication. I wasn't smart enough to do that. I made eye contact with him and he's looking at me like, what's her color? So I signed the color orange. He smiled, nodded his head, looked at her, smiled, nodded his head, and went on. She did this all the time. She would raise her hand and ask him a question that he could not understand. And it, it never, she could never connect those dots that she either had to go to the whiteboard and, and write something down, or she would have to learn to sign it. Otherwise, there was no communication. Needless to say, she only lasted about five weeks before she was a no-show, and I don't know, I think I was the only one that was disappointed when she never showed up. Like I said, Intro to American Sign Language was the toughest class I'd ever taken. By the end of the class, about a third of the students had dropped out, but I ended up with an A, and I was eligible to take Sign Language 201, which was next semester, which I did. That was even tougher, and to make matters worse, COVID hit in April of 2020, right in the middle of that semester. And when we left for spring break, we never went back to college. I never saw my classmates face to face again because then we went to online classes. Now, sign language is hard enough, but doing it over Zoom is a monumental challenge for the students and the faculty. It's, it's hard. It's not as easy as you would think it would be. This time... This time around, I didn't pass judgment. I kept an open mind, and I just went into the rest of it with an open mind, and my classmates hated it. They didn't like it at all. Offline, via text and email, it was nothing but negativity. We can't do this. It's not going to work. No way can we learn sign language online. They hated doing the Zoom classroom. It had a familiar ring to it, but I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon. I left my judgment out of it. And I opted to see for myself how it was going to go. And actually, it went really well. I loved it. I made it through the semester just fine. I got another A. I learned a lot because I kept an open mind about it. But granted, I didn't have the pressure of having to get an A in the class. I was there to learn conversational sign language. I wasn't after the grade as much as I was the results. And a little secret, what I loved about the Zoom classroom is all you had to do was put on a nice shirt. And you could sit there in any state of dress or undress that you wanted to, 
Now you could sit there in your boxer shorts in class, which you couldn't do at the university without getting arrested. And as long as you remembered not to stand up, you were fine. I never had a problem with that because I put a little sticky note on the computer that said, don't stand up. So I never did. I got the results I wanted. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned I still have to work hard to keep my judgments in check. I learned I have to work even harder to put them aside sometimes. I learned a new language, and I learned I will never take a sign language class unless the instructor is deaf, because that forces you to learn in a very different way. So my closed-minded, judgmental observation from the start went 180 degrees by the end of class, all because I opened my mind. So that's a long answer to a very short question, and I apologize for that if I bored anybody, but I think the message here is important to all of us. We all need to be less judgmental about people and things we're engaged in. We need to be better communicators and not throw up roadblocks in front of ourselves just because we have judgments that may or may not be accurate. We need to let people with more accurate information lead the conversations. And we need to do that before we form our own judgments. When all said and done, if our judgments are correct about something, use them carefully. And don't weaponize our attitudes and opinion with misplaced judgments that are counterproductive or harmful. Just don't do it. Our words only have value if they have meaning. And we need to put meaning back in our conversations. Y'all have a great rest of the week. And remember... Only 45 days till Christmas. Well, that's it for today's episode, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Shahan, and you've been listening to Shahanisms. If you liked today's episode, pass it along to a friend. If you didn't, just send it to somebody you hate. Either way, thanks for listening. Y'all have a good rest of the week. I'll see you next time.